Welcome back to Backward Point Podcast. My name is Nazar Sayed, and I am the co-host of this podcast with my brother. Bashar Sayed. And today, we will be talking about Pakistan cricket exiting the World Cup. So to a surprise to a lot of people, my voice is a lot joyous. There's a lot of vigor in my voice. Um, not as depressing as it was in the Afghanistan pod or the Australia pod or even the India pod. Lots of energy in my voice. I will explain in a bit. Bashar Huda, you saw the game. What did you think about it? Well, firstly, I just want to point out, you mentioned that Pakistan is out of the tournament. I mean, I think there were people in our Discord uh, community doing some PCT math. And Pakistan apparently still has some chance. I believe there's like a 7% chance of Pakistan qualifying. Give me the numbers. How does that work? I don't know. I don't care. In my head, Pakistan is disqualified once they lost the match today. Their only real chance of qualifying was winning all their remaining games starting from the one today. So the, the only thing that I'm happy about is that this was the closest most nail-biting match of the ODI World Cup so far. And you can count on a Pakistan team and a South African team to give you that sort of a match. And uh, sad that it took 26 matches into the World Cup for us to finally see a thriller, but happy to see it nonetheless. Sad that we were on the losing side of this thriller. It would have been amazing if Pakistan had clinched the victory in the end. Uh, The heartbeat was pounding. The blood pressure was pumping. And the screams were there. Everything was there. Yelling at the TV was there. Cold feet, sweaty palms. I'm sure everybody can relate to this. My heartbeat was at 131 at some point. I I tweeted this out and I posted it on our um, Instagram. But my heartbeat was literally at 131. And all I was doing was sitting and watching the game. Your fitness tracker is like, what what is this guy actually moving? And then a lot of people were like, yo, (laughs) my fitness tracker is like losing its mind. It thinks I'm having a heart attack, which we admittedly were. Just right off the bat, wanted to thank the Patreon community. They keep the podcast alive and really, really appreciate it. They send us a lot of questions, which we will be interviewing into this podcast. So don't worry about that. We always drop a, guys, what are you feeling? What are your questions on the Patreon account? So if there's something that you're interested in, guys, you can check it out. And we've also opened up memberships. So memberships on the YouTube account and memberships on the Spotify account. And the Spotify gang is silent but deadly. And they really listen to us. We have about 1,000 to 1,200 Spotify followers. And they're consistent. They, they're they probably the most diehearded ones uh, of all of our fans because they listen throughout. The retention on our Spotify is insane. You guys are the real MVPs. So if you guys want to come in and support the podcast, in the description, there should be a paid subscriber notification right near the Patreon. Go ahead, do it. It directly supports us. It comes straight to us. It's something like less than a coffee a month, like $2 if you're in the States. So, you know, check that option out. We will highly and thoroughly appreciate it. On YouTube, you actually get a little, little bit of a badge, you know, when you when you join our membership. And we have like exclusive videos that we release to the Patreon account that we will eventually start releasing to the membership accounts as well. So that's something to think about. Patreon fam, you're the OG. Discord fam. I've said it before. I'll keep saying it. Our Discord community is one of the best Discord communities that I've ever been a part of. It's so much fun. It's so much, it's so engaging. Everyone's like on high spirits. And then when something goes bad, everyone groups together. The PCT Therapy Lounge, the voice channel, it's always active, unfortunately. But everyone's just a good sport about it. Everyone's having a great time. There's a bit of a pushback. Conversations happening in a very timely manner, in a very, I want to say, Everyone's very courteous. Like they'll have disagreements, but like I, I went, I had a little bit of a spat with 
uh, one of our listeners. But it was a very like, you know, disciplined back and forth. Nobody was going out of their way to insult each other. So I appreciate that. PCT fam and Discord fam, you guys are the real MVPs as well. My go-to place for cricket commentary used to be Twitter back in the day. I would say before the Discord community was there. But since we've made this community and people have joined it, we have close to 750 members. Almost 800 now, yeah. My go-to thing during a match is always to go on the Discord chat, go to the live commentary tab and just talk to people, comment, unload my thoughts, vent. And I just think it's the, it's the, it's the place to be. It's, it's one of the best things we've done as part of Backward Point Podcast. And that was always the vision of this podcast is to create that non-toxic community. So so glad to have that. I wanted to bring something up, not really match related, but a sort of a double-edged sword. Every time Pakistan loses, our podcast seemed to get more plays on Spotify, more views on YouTube. Why do you think that's so? I think in a world full of Vasa Habibs and Ifi Bhais and, you know, just straight up toxic, agenda-based commentary i feel like we bring a little bit of a balance a little bit of a nuance we don't have an agenda we just want the pakistan cricket team to succeed first and foremost we are pakistan cricket fans and i think it shows and people want to listen to a balanced review obviously we have emotions we have thoughts we have favorites we have dislikes likes all of that is true for anything for any opinion you hold but i genuinely like i'm gonna be honest this is gonna sound a bit narcissistic but when i'm feeling down i listen to our my podcast sometimes and just be like yo like what was i thinking at that moment was that what was i saying and um you know i actually then go back and release some of the old episodes like from a couple of years ago onto the patreon and and tell the patreon fam hey guys two years ago this happened like last year we lost the final around this time in the t20 world cup and i just listened to that whole podcast from 2022 and i'm going to share with the patreon fam so it's just one of those things where sometimes I need it as well. And I think that's what the people think as well. Absolutely. And speaking of toxic, I think we should start this podcast and, you know, the Pakistan Cricket Team podcast. Before I think we can even dissect the game, we have to sort of take a take a min, min, miniature step back and talk about the PCB and that horrendous, despicable, uh, pukeable, vomitable, deplorable PCB media release statement that came out hours before the game. I think that's a good point to start because that sort of ties in to everything that comes out today and for the rest of the tournament and possibly for the next 12 months of the Pakistan cricket team. PCB releases a statement saying that, basically saying, hey, this is not our team. Inzi and Babar chose this team. Inzi, by the way, who's already fired. So, you know, it's really easy to throw him under the bus. They chose the team. This is their team. Don't point fingers at us. You know, we want to keep our jobs. Screw you, Bobber. Screw you, Inzi. Yeah, I mean, there couldn't be worse timing to have this media release. I mean, we've all known how toxic and unprofessional the PCB has been in the past. And from the way that it looks like it's going to continue to be that way. No, my point is why release this press release at all? Like, the biggest news in Pakistan Cricket Twitter yesterday was, is Esenagi still a part of the team or not? Rumors are spreading. I saw some, like, weird clips from old reporters that are just salty about the fact that we have new management, younger management, a management that actually, you know, like, represents the younger crowd. Like, people are not, the people who are leading this Pakistan Cricket team are not from the 90s anymore. They're in this era, 2010s, 2020s. 
and it just feels like some of the reporters, people have agendas, they're bitter and just thirsty for clicks. And then this media release comes out, which is the most tim- you're talking about timid captaincy and timid the way we box is playing this World Cup. If this doesn't speak, I am insecure, then nothing else does. And I'm ashamed. I am, I feel di- like I despise this completely whole- wholeheartedly. And I wish that this wasn't the case, but the Pakistan cricket board is what we have to deal with if you want to be a fan of the cricket team. Unfortunately. If I just read two snippets from the media release, it says, Captain Babar Azam and Chief Selector Nizam al-Haq were given freedom and support in forming the squad for the ICC World Cup 2023. Looking ahead, the board will make decisions in the best interests of Pakistan cricket based on the team's performances and the World Cup. So to summarize and to explain, this basically means that, hey guys, we're the PCB, but this team was picked by Babar and his mom. So don't blame it on us. Blame it on them. They were the ones that picked the team. They were the ones that were making the calls. But going forward, the PCB will be making the, the calls for what's in the best interest of the team. So that sort of hints that if Pakistan doesn't do well, we might lose the captain. We might have a change in selector. Might have a change in the team. This is the writings on the wall. Like, it's not even if. This is the writing on the wall. This is the red herring to Barbarazm. It's over. It's over. The era of Barbarazm, the past three years since he's been captaining, he's built the team. He's built a core group. He's built team culture and unity. And we're sort of seeing that evaporate in front of our eyes and that's likely the writings on the card post this World Cup. Shameful, you know, regretful, completely insulting. What more can I say? I'm just appalled that this is the team, that this is the board that's with this team. And it's, you know what it is? It's a laughing stock. You give people like Harsha Bosle. Bogle. Harsha Asha Bosle. You get people like Asha Bosle and Harsha Bogle. Both of them. <laughs> Maybe she could have sang a better song for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, you give both of those people chances to come on a national TV sports media and ridicule us. And, you know, people like us, when we have the opportunities to go on things like Fan Code, where we're against a corporation like Sports Yari, and we don't have the ammo to back our team up because. The officials do shit like this, which is dumb and it's stupid. And I'm just, that was appalling. And that comes straight into the game. I think that just, I think it's a direct tie into what we're going to talk about next, which is this game. I think Pakistan, so they went into this World Cup and we were thinking this is going to be a record-breaking World Cup for Pakistan. It has been, but not in the way that we were thinking. Uh, Pakistan's first loss against South Africa in an ICC event in 24 years. The last time Pakistan lost to South Africa was the 99 World Cup. And somehow Pakistan has always gotten the better of South Africa, despite how good their team may be on paper in the recent past in ICC tournaments. And I was honestly thinking that for the same thing to happen in this World Cup, Pakistan's first ever loss to Afghanistan and ODIs also came in this World Cup. And this is also the first time Pakistan has lost four matches in a row at a World Cup. So record-breaking, but all for the bad reasons. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that. It was, it's was. it been a tough season for Pakistan cricket. It's been a tough awakening for Pakistan cricket. That being said, today's game was top 10 World Cup games ever. Easy? Maybe for Pakistan. I'm not sure if overall, but it was, it was nail-biting. 
top 10 in the past maybe like three World Cups. Right? It was like, the off the top of my head, all I can think about is like the World Cup final. 2019 comes straight into my mind. This whole World Cup has not had a single game where it was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? We don't know. So you cannot, you have to rule all the 26 games that have happened. The best game of this World Cup for so far. 100%. 100%. And it has to, it had to be Pakistan and South Africa to pull that. Like there's no, no other team that could have done that. Now, had Pakistan won today, now that would have been a great twist in this World Cup story. But guess what? Pakistan lost. Which evidently, subjectively speaking, the next 19 games are completely irrelevant. Like, there needs to be a psycho situation for Pakistan to make it through. And, you know, we, I don't even want to go into the math of that. But it, it, it almost makes the rest of the tournament just not relevant at all. And there are glaring issues with that. There are glaring issues with the setup of this tournament. It's fun to have all these teams play each other. But at what cost? Most of the tournament is basically a moot point. And it's not fun. It's not fun. A lot has to be said about management and the way this tournament was actually organized and executed. Because the similar format played the last tournament. And the last tournament was one of the best, if not the best. So this has to go down to like competition. You know, teams actually putting in an effort. In the last tournament, we didn't know what the last top four is going to be until the last possible moment. You know, Pakistan was just a few net run red points behind uh, New Zealand, I believe, or England. And like, that's fun. But when it comes down to this, where like a, a major contender team just falls off, off the radar, you then have reminiscence of a 2007 World Cup, which is probably the worst of all out of all of them. What are your thoughts about that? I think you're absolutely spot on here because... As we see the top four right now, South Africa are at number one, India is two, New Zealand is three, and Australia is four. So I think that is going to be the top four for this World Cup. We might see just a change in the order of how this happens. I reckon it's going to be India, South Africa, New Zealand, and then Australia, and perhaps an India versus South Africa final. But yeah, just as of right now, we're like just halfway past the tournament and we feel like we have the result of the top four so like you mentioned the next games might be a bit dull and boring and unless there's close matches there's no point in really following it pakistan with how their net run rate is if they don't win the next three matches by like 2000 runs it's not gonna happen (laughs) it's not happening do you want to get into this game now let's get into the game so babar azam wins the toss he bats first and that's very good because the only way to sort of win against South Africa is to bat first, put runs on the board, and then take wickets against him. That's what New Zealand, Netherlands proved. Exactly. So teams like South Africa and England, who sort of come out all guns blazing, the only way to stop the flow of runs or to win against them is to consistently take wickets against them. Right? All the teams that have beaten England were successful in taking wickets against them. And that's the same thing that Pakistan was hoping to do here. I want to get started with um, Abdullah and Imam. They were both set up perfectly. It looked like the the South African bowlers had done their homework well. And this is a South African bowling lineup without Arabala, who wasn't playing today, without a Norkia who was injured and out of the tournament. So Marco Janssen stepping up to the plate, setting up, Abdullah Shafiq with the short pitch delivery and the fielder was placed in a perfect position who did not even have to move. So 
the love being tested against the short ball. I remember Mohammed Harris in our podcast mentioning that the South African or England or the Siena country bowlers, they love to test Pakistani batsmen against short deliveries. And that's exactly what the plan against Janssen was. The more disappointing dismissal for me was the dismissal from Imam, who was out chasing an almost wide delivery, half volley, wide delivery, nicked off and caught it somewhere in the fly slip area. Can you explain what the fly slip is? So first slip, second slip, third slip, fourth, like gully, and then you have the fly slip. So it's more like super wide. Uh, it's not a short third man. It's more closer in line with the keeper. And it's it's really wide. And for Imam to nick it off and give it exactly where the fielder was, disappointing. You know, at this stage, at the World Cup, you expect Imam to bring out his best game. But it it I'm, I feel very sad saying this, but it seems like his game is sort of exposed. Like he scored lots of runs the past few years since the last ODI World Cup. He was in the, in the top five rankings. But it seems like Imam without a fucker is just not as effective. Like Imam needs fucker on the other end to help with the scoring rate, to make up for his slow start because players like Imam and Babur, what they rely on is, so getting to 50 off like 65, 70 balls, but the next 50 they score is when they actually up the run rate and sort of increase their strike rate. In this World Cup, both Babur and Imam have gotten starts, but they've never capitalized and they haven't gotten the chance to up their scoring rates after they've gotten 50. And that's why their start rates have been shockingly low. Fakhar needs an Imam. Shaheen needs an Asim. Story of our lives. You need a wife as well, bro. <laughs> Shazi asks, <laughs> Shazi asks, should a message be sent to Imam that he needs to bat with more aggression and intent? When he gets big scores, he makes it up with the strike rates, like we mentioned. But when he gets out early, he's wasted too many deliveries and that too in the power play. I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and I think I'm going to say that this is probably the last World Cup that Imam is going to play for Pakistan. Would you agree or disagree with me on that? Considering uh, the bench strength we have, so we have a Saima Yub coming up. There's Mohamed Herrera knocking the doors as well. And I feel that there needs to be a general shift in the whole approach and mindset of the Pakistan team going forward post this World Cup. It's and a diplomatic way of saying, yes, this is the last time. No, <laughs> no, so is playing the World I've Cup. mentioned this last episodes. There's two options for Imam. Either he does get the message and he changes his approach or number two, we replace him with someone else who can who can play the way, which is the modern way. Lots of criticism to Babur Azam about not being clutch. We made a whole episode on it. We made a whole clips on it, made reels on it. Is Imam al-Haq clutch? As of right now, no. Can you remember like, the last I, World Cup game that he won you single-handedly? Like his performance won you. Imam scored 100 against Bangladesh and basically a dead rubber. Was it a match-winning 100? Well, Pakistan did win the match, but it was, like I said, it's a dead rubber, right? Pakistan was already eliminated from the tournament. So I don't think that really counts. Imam scored a few good knocks um, in bilaterals. But again, like bilaterals, like do we really consider that to be actual, even cricket nowadays? Because we had somebody in our um, Discord chat saying that Pakistan's numbers were inflated. They were skewed. And the rankings are not a true reflection of what the actual Pakistan team is in terms of Pakistan's team rankings and also the Pakistan players' rankings. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So I, you know, it was a good run, but Imam, but I think it's 
it's time to say goodbye. New approach coming in. You know, the PCB release that we talked about clearly indicates that there's going to be a big shakeup. And the people that are going to be shaken up are your imams, your fakhars, your nawazes. Um, take some more names. Go ahead. You know, I think the core committee that's going to stay is going to be your Babur, Rizwan, Saud, Shaheen. Shaheen. That's about it. Nassim when he comes back. I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm just talking about from the, from okay. this 15. Um, that's probably going to be the one. The the Salman Liagas, all of them. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to see a new 11 next year, and Imam is going to be the first ones to go because it's just been too. It's been too much. He had so many times, so many great positive starts to actually come in and improve himself, and uh, it's just a shame because he's a better player than that. We've seen it. Bilaterals or non-bilaterals, he just has more intent than that. And at least he showed that in the 2019 World Cup. This World Cup, I just I don't even know what to say. The Imam one thing was, that I will say is the Fakhar and Imam partnership, I'm going to miss that. Because after years, maybe even decades, we got a reliable opening pair. Like before the World Cup, you were talking about how Pakistan's 11, like at least nine players are set. And the most critical part of Pakistan's team was their top three. Like the first names you would put down were Fakhar Imam Babur. And I can remember the last time that happened to the Pakistan team. You know, there's a conversation to be had about them not being informed, but just to have that consistent consistency and haven't been given that long of a run, you know, credits to Babur Azam for that. I think this is Fakhar and Imam were the best opening pair for Pakistan since Amir Suhail and Sayyid Anwar. Yeah, I think numbers back that up as well. No, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm going to quote Eminem here. When it's going good, it's going great. But when it's bad, it's awful. You know, and it's that's the the crux of this Pakistan team right now. The Fakhri Imam partnership, legendary, you know, lots of games won, lots of games gotten close. It's just, it's an end of an era. You have to, you have to take that into consideration. The Babur captaincy era is coming to a close. That's why I kept mentioning to everybody on the Discord chat as well. Enjoy the last three games if you are a Babar Azam fan in the sense that Babar Azam is going nowhere. Let me just make this very, very clear. People asked us that. You cannot drop the best player you've had in the past 25 years in batting. Ever. Ever. It's just full stop, period, shunye, whatever it is, done. The Babar Azam is never being dropped for the next until, until the next World Cup. Unless he has like a horrendous... Fakhar Azam type patch where he's played 30 innings, scored like 12 every innings on an average of like five, you know? Apart from that, Bob Razam not going anywhere, but it's going to be end of an era. We will talk about this in length when it happens. But right now, Imam, it's time for us to say goodbye to Imam. So Pakistan with three for two when Rizwan comes in and luckily gets dropped first ball again. Now, I didn't see this drop. So can you walk me through what happened? Yeah, the first ball he comes in and they try him out with a slower delivery. The same delivery. This is like the first ball. First ball ever he's facing in the match. And it's sort of the same tactic that the Netherlands used against him. The same tactic that Bumrah, was it Bumrah? Bumrah got him out. So Jansen balled him a, an off cutter and he was sort of going for the drive, the push. And because it was a slower ball, his bat went forward. He It hits the spice of the bat. And it goes on the left of Jansen. And Jansen is a six foot eight giant. Um, he dives in. The ball hits like the palm of his hands. It pops out. He gets very lucky. Um, and then Rizwan sort of made a bit of the most of it because he at least came out with some intent. He had four forwards, one six. Uh, used his feet 
batted with intent. That's what has been lacking in the Pakistan middle order. So as soon as Pakistani batsmen start batting with quote-unquote intent, why do they throw their wickets away? Like intent and carelessness, do they go hand in hand? I think high risk, high reward. When you play with intent, there is always a risk to be out, but that's what you take calculated risks. Would you say Aiden Markram batted with intent today? Yes. Why did he score 91 and Rizwan scored 30 odd? I don't know. It's hard to say Irfan Janejo scored 91. <laughs> Yo, I was going to talk about that. So on a lighter note, Aiden Markram looks like Irfan Janejo. Virat Kohli looks like you, Bashar Sayed. Abdullah Shafiq looks like me. Apparently. Yasser Shah famously looks like Lionel Messi. What is happening? What is happening in this <laughs> cricketing world, this parallel universe? I'm all for it. If Irfan Janejo scored 91 today, Irfan Bhai, you're the real MVP. That's the only reason I'm happy today is because my friends look alike. Did, a, did really well. And you know what? I propose a mini cricket team. You, me, IJ. I, and we'll get a few other lookalikes and see what happens. Let's see. I'm, I'm down <laughs> for that. Uh, so Pakistan's top four batsmen, two of them get out to short balls. Rizwan and Abdullah, like I mentioned, uh, a planned strategy of testing Pakistani batsmen out with the short ball. And then now we come to talk about Babar Azam. So Babar Azam pitches up 50 again. This is his third 50 in the tournament. It came off of 64 balls. And a alarming stat is that 36 balls from his innings were dots. So Babar Azam is clearly struggling to rotate strike to take singles and doubles. Why? Uh, because a, little, a part of his game has been exposed. So, so here's a, let me just say a few things here. Babar Azam, credits to the last 350s he scored, has sneaked up as the 19th highest run score of the World Cup. I'm going to stop you right there. You said sneaked up. I don't know if that's a real word. <laughs> what do you mean, bro? Isn't Sneak? it snuck up? Snuck. Okay. Babar Azam has... Yo, no, wait. I want people to fact check me on this. Is it going to be sneaked up or is it going to be snuck up? Because as a writer, this really triggered me when I saw this in the notes. But go ahead, please. So Babar Azam has emerged as the 19th highest run scorer thanks, of the World Cup. For that. But Babar Azam has the lowest strike rate amongst the top 21 batters. Babar Azam's strike rate is 79. His game is typically struggling against spin. Tactically, all the teams, whenever Babar Azam has come to bat, they've put on spinners against him. Babar Azam is extremely comfortable and fluent against pace. But against spin, Babar Azam's, amongst Babar Azam's total deliveries faced in this World Cup, 68% have been against spin. So uh, in Babar's stats against spin in this World Cup, also very alarming what I'm about to share with you. Babar has scored 113 runs. Off 178 balls. Amongst those 178 balls, 93 have been dot balls. Babar Azam's average against spin this World Cup has been 28. His strike rate has been 63. Babar Azam's strike rate against spin this World Cup has been 63. And he's been dismissed four times out of six. So the question is, is Babar Azam struggling against spin bowling? I mean, you give me this this long rant about how Babar sucks at spin and then you ended up with a question. That was very Fox News of you. Is Islam dangerous? Well, they killed a billion people here. Um, Are they dangerous? It's giving me that kind of vibe. I respect that, by the way. Yes, it's he sucks at spin. Like, the, that's the short answer. A couple answer. of <laughs> things I'm going to mention here. 
Babur Azam, the last ODI World Cup, he used his feet a lot against spinners. He came down the track, went over the top, uh, used the slog sweep, even swept the ball. But Babur Azam in this World Cup has not played those shots. I haven't. I don't think I've seen him come down the track in this World Cup yet. I haven't seen him sweep the ball properly in this World Cup yet. So those are two parts of his game which I think he needs to work on. So confidence, confidence, Captaincy, pressure, fear that of PCB release, fear of getting out, fear of failure. Fear of the consequences of him getting out, the team collapsing, as we saw against the game in India. Pakistan was 150 for two. Babur Azam gets out, which triggers a collapse, and Pakistan is all out for 191. So it's a mixture of those things. Um, but regardless, like, Bob, I know Babur has scored 350s, but this is by far um, Babur Azam's innings runs that have the least importance and the least dominance. I've come up with a, a great analogy of Bauerhausen's performances in his career. So we've all taken math courses, right? Remember taking a math course in university and how the whole course was 100% and it was broken down by 50% finals, uh, 25% midterm, 25% quizzes. So Bauerhausen, as a student, does amazing in quizzes. Every week he comes up, he churns up 100%, 100%. But when it comes to midterms and finals, he's flopping. So in the analogy of cricket, the quizzes are bilaterals and midterms are Asia Cups and finals are World Cups. <laughs> oh my God. So Barbara Azam is giving a, me double-headed trauma, by the way. Barbara Azam is a great student who, you know, he doesn't amazing he's working quizzes, hard. he's working hard weekly. But when it comes to big equations where he actually needs to show up, the midterms, the finals... Barbara Azam is not showing up. He's having some, some exam anxiety. Uh, maybe he's not preparing too well or whatever he's studying is not coming on the exams. So uh, because of those reasons, his final grade is like a C or a, or a C plus. He needs to get tutored. The problem with Barbara Azam right now is that we cannot keep saying that he struggles with spin if he's a top order batsman. He, it was gonna, if, he's, if the openers give a good start, he's coming in the 10th, 12th, 15th over, right? Who balls in the 10, 12, 15th over? Like from 15, 12 to 35, 40, you have spinners anywhere in the world. So how can the greatest batsman that Pakistan has ever produced struggle with that? I, I, I just, it fails to, I, can, I can't accept it. I need Babar Azam after this World Cup to go into the nets. I need him to be in the nets for two hours a day, every day, for three months. I need him to get all the net bowlers that Pakistan can find, the Abrars, the the I was gonna say Nawaz, but Nawaz is not a spin bowler. All the spin bowlers that Pakistan can find, put him in the nets, give him two hours. He should not have that weakness anymore. If you want to be the greatest of all time, you have to fix that. What analogy was like? Virat Kohli had an issue of getting fourth stump. Fourth stump. He fixed it. I was gonna say. Um, I think Michael Jordan had a three-pointer issue. Like, he wasn't really good at three-pointers. He started shooting three-pointers, you know? Steph Curry, who wanted to be the greatest of all time, he doesn't have an in-court game. He cannot tackle people in the middle of their key. So he developed his three-point game, which is now the best in the world. Use your disadvantages as your advantages. Put in the hours. Put in the work. And Babur Azam is that one person that I genuinely can rely on and be like, you know what? It's going through a rough patch. Give him six months. He'll be back. And he'll be whipping the spinners all along the park because he wants that kind of, he has that kind of mentality, the kind of work ethic, the kind of hard work mentality that yields fruits. I, I, Imam, no, no, no chance. Fakhar, no chance. 
right? But it, Barber, I have, I back him to do that. He needs to do that. If he keeps struggling here, goodbye to the legacy. Goodbye to the you know greatest player boxing has ever produced. His numbers will keep getting inflated. But will he be an impact player or will he just be another Muhammad Yusuf in the canon of Pakistan cricket? What's more frustrating again is the mode of his dismissal. Like there's something to be talked about there that again Babar Azam gave his wicket away and he wasn't really dismissed or outfoxed by the bowler in this match he was trying to lap the brace shamsi and allegedly gets a very small nick there's a, a bit of a controversy on his dismissal i saw the snicko and it was very tiny spike on the snicko and the umpire gave it out moin khan was like there should have been a spider cam from the top for me to actually believe that that touched the because the initial reaction from the bowlers and keeper like they weren't really sure and babar azam was pretty confident quentin was sure though and then when Bobber when when it was given out, Bobber was shocked. Like he was genuinely, he looked pissed when it happened. So I think sometimes as a batsman, you do know when you've hit it and when you when you haven't. A lot of times, in this day and age, when you nick it, you just walk off because you know it's out. Uh, but for Bobber Azam to have the initial reaction, just being calm, collected, and the baller not being too sure to him being pissed at the end. I'm not sure if he was pissed at the decision or pissed at the way he was getting out because this was the moment for Babar Azam to up the ante, up the scoring rate, start dominating the bowlers. That's the story of this entire World Cup. <laughs> uh, was Do you think it was out? Maybe. It's, it's hard to say, but it looked out to me. I mean, it was too close to the bat. Um, but the only thing I would say is it was the, the spike on the snicker wasn't as large as you typically see for Knicks. Do you want to talk about Saud Karachi agenda? Of course. Uh, so in hindsight, it looked like Ifti getting promoted wasn't actually the best call, even though Ifti, every time he's gotten in um, early, he's uh, taken his time and he has dominated against uh, all the bowling attacks. And Pakistan was using Ifti at number six as a power hitter, the only genuine six hitter on this team. But Ifti's performances in domestic have been at number four, 50 plus average, 90 plus strike rate. Ifti comes in at number five ahead of Saud Shakil and tactics matchups uh, um analysis from the other teams they bring in a, a wrist spinner and shocking alarming start from a, a start from iftikhar is that iftikhar averages 6.3 against wrist spin at a strike rate of 59 i refuse to believe that your middle order batsman cannot play spin these are pakistani middle order batsmen bro i refuse to believe that you, how are you a middle-order batsman if you cannot play the most in, integral part of this game, beautiful game of cricket that we love and follow? Like, you can't just be one-dimensional by if the by waiting for pace to come on. Like, when pace does come on, he looks like he's unbeatable. But as soon as spin comes on, like, he looks like a different batsman, as if he doesn't even know how to take singles and doubles. Abysmal. Abysmal. If the he's a great chap, probably his last World Cup as well, like I was we were talking about the other day. Expect it better from him, honestly. Yeah, you cannot have that glaring weakness. You cannot be struggling against a whole department, a whole fraction of this game. It's like, oh, another basketball analogy. I'm really good at hitting free throws. No, like Shaq. Okay, brilliant example. Shaq was one of the greatest players of all time. One of the most dominating basketball players of all time. You know his free throw percentage is like in the 20s? And if his free throw percentages from the 20s just went up to 75, which is like average in NBA, he would have had like 2,000 more points. Would have, would have been one of the greatest scorers of all time. 
you cannot have a glaring mistake like that that literally differentiates wins from losses. You cannot do that. Now, Shaq was, like I said, one of the most dominating players ever, so he made it up in other factors. If the comes in, Bauer gives him the first over, first ball wide, five runs, you know? And in a game like this, it's about margins. It's about close matchups. It's about those fine, fine uh, differences between the two teams that, and at the end of the day, are make the difference. So, you know, tough on you, Ifti. You got to do better, buddy. So it's Shaquille Karachi agenda. Let's uh, go, bro. I want to talk about that. 141 for uh, 129 for four when he comes in and has a great partnership with Shadab. Decent contributions from Nawaz. And for Pakistan being 141 for five and 25 overs, they have all they almost doubled their runs. And that's a bit shocking because this Pakistan team could have collapsed for under 200 like they did against India. But because of the resistance by Shadab and Nawaz and Saud Shaquille's innings, they were able to put up a fighting total. However, I want to talk about Pakistan's tail because this is sort of one of the turning points of the match. Pakistan gets out in 46.4 overs. There's 3.2 overs to go, which is roughly, not roughly, this is exactly 20 balls. And if Pakistan had added another 30 runs or 35, 40 runs and got the total up to 300, 310, this could have been a different match, right? If you look at the end, uh, if like the ball wasn't an issue, wickets were sort of the key. But if you add another factor of them needing to chase down the runs within the limited balls, it would have made them made more risks, which could create more wicket taking. For South Africa, the deliveries left was not a problem. They had like 45 deliveries left and they needed like 11, 12 runs. It was, the ratio was kind of like that. So they weren't even thinking about, oh, we, they might bowl us out. So you've taken as a Pakistani fan and as a Pakistani uh, cricket player in that, in that moment, you've completely taken a whole aspect of the game out. Bowling them out is not an option for you anymore. You're not going to give them 25 straight dot balls and then bring it around a ball. That's not the option. And that is clearly the blame because you were not able to finish from the top. Your middle order, lower middle order, gave you a really good stand, man. There was a point where 300 was on the board. Same thing, very reminiscent of the Australia game. But there was a point where they were going to chase that down. You know, 13 overs, 100 runs. You back four or five wickets in hand. You back any play any team to chase that down, especially on a flat track like the ones that we're seeing in India. I'm glad you mentioned the Australia match because even in that match, Pakistan, there was a point where they had, they knew they were going to lose. And the mindset from then on should have been to get as close as possible to minimize the net run rate impact. But Pakistan, in this World Cup, the tail has just not fought. I remember Imran Khan, former captain, saying that if you want to look at a team's fighting spirit, look at how their tail is biting. And Pakistan's tail has just not wiggled at all this tournament, which is sad other teams have batting depth. They have a batter's till number 10. We number just saw one. this in this game. Like the tail won them this the game today. Maharaj has been really instrumental in South Africa, first minimizing their loss against the Netherlands. He scored, I think, 40 yard in the end. And then today he scored an impactful innings, which helped South Africa cross the line. It was just seven runs, but seven runs not out and helped South Africa win the match. Yeah, valuable two points in the back now. And, you know, the way that Shaheen got out, the way that, uh, who was the other batsman? Who was the last person to get out? Wasim Jr.? Yeah, the way that these people got out. The one that really pissed me off was Nawaz. Yeah. 
Do you have like five overs left? You slog. You're 24 off 24. You're almost run a ball. Or maybe he was a little bit ahead at that moment. Just knock it for ones, man. Like take the ones. If they just had played the full 50 overs and it's taken singles, then run a ball. 20 balls left. You add 20 more runs on the total. 270, suddenly 290, 295. You, you my, don't know what could have happened. Mind you, this is still under par score. 100%. 100%. Like in a tournament where 350, 375 is being scored on average. and Bro, pa- Pakistan just chased 350. Yeah. So, like, what are you what are you going to talk about? So, I mean, I know it's Chennai. It's a different ground. But the way that the pitch was behaving in the second half, both for this match and the game against Afghanistan, I don't know if Pakistan's bowling is terrible that they make it look very easy or if the pitch genuinely gets easier to bat on in these second innings because... Chennai, the ground is very close to the sea. There's humidity. There could be a dew factor. Batting and the lights looked a lot easier. And the way that South Africa got a start, you know, Dukak uh, going after Shaheen. We talk about Babur actually uh, doing out-of-the-box things. Hassan Ali before the match gets a fever. They bring in Wasim Jr. And there's certainly a, a, a gaping hole in Pakistan's bowling where who balls a new ball with Shaheen. And lo and behold, Barbara Azam brings on FT Jaju. Let's talk about it. Because the Pakistan's bowling, we should do a whole other hour podcast on that. It showed up. This is the Pakistan bowling that I think Babar was talking about for the past six to eight weeks. And we were like, you're delusional, man. He, he almost seemed like that movie Shutter Island, where everyone's sort of like playing along. Spoilers for Shutter Island, by the way. Leonardo DiCaprio's in that movie. Great Scorsese film. Everyone's like playing along with the game. Like, oh, yeah, you are a cop. And yeah, Teddy Daniels, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, they're like, we were just, we're just effing with you. We're just messing around with you, buddy. You're actually mentally ill and you need to be treated. <laughs> like, that's the kind of vibe that it felt like with Barbara. And then Barbara was like, yo, look at this. Like, this is what I was talking about the entire six to eight weeks before the Asia Cup. And yeah, let's talk about it. Firstly, out of the box thinking for Barbara near the end of his captaincy is insane for me. <laughs> that is a, that's a great call. Uh, where were you like six months ago, buddy? But yeah, sure, like I'll take it. Out of the box thinking, he, there was a gaping hole who's going to bowl with the new ball. You come in, you bowl a few from Ifti, you bowl a few from Nawaz. And I think it was the matchup. So it, the left, right arm off spinner against Dukak, left-hander, that was the matchup. How does Pakistan remember matchups like in their sixth game? What happened in the first six? I genuinely feel like Rihanna Rahak, Hassan Tima, they're bringing these stats to Babur. And like he's six just, games too late? No, no. He's just doing his thing. Like Babur's like, okay, I understand that. Thank you for sending that. I appreciate the hard work, but I'm going to do my thing here. Because in Islamabad, United, Shadab is more open to those matchups, those numbers. And you see a lot of flexibility in their batting order, their bowling attack, they're playing 11s. Babur, I think, is he needs to evolve a bit more. He's one of those... It's, no, he doesn't. It's over. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he needs to evolve. You did, tell, tell Rizwan and Shaheen to evolve because that's, that's who's going to... They, they need that kind of advice because, you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to hear it. But the thing is, like, if he is no Hafiz, you know, Mohamed Hafiz against left-handers was a better left story than... Um, Mohamed Hafiz with part-timers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow, below the belt. A question from Hazi. He says... Do you think we saw the return of prime Shaheen Afridi here? We got to talk about Shaheen and his amazing spell today. I think, so short, short answer for Hazi, no. But something bigger has happened here that we need to acknowledge, which is that Shaheen Shafridi has started using his brain. He's realized that he's 10 clicks slower, so that it puts him on a disadvantage. But he also realizes, hey, I'm Shaheen Shafridi. I'm one of the greatest bowlers in the world right now. I can use a little bit of a variation. 
every now and then. And that's the difference. He's doing the short ball well. He's doing the length ball well. His slower one is actually pretty deceitful. And he's just, he's found his rhythm in a whole different kind of way. This is not the Shaheen from the 2021 World Cup where it was 148 swinging back into Aaron Fringe in the semifinal. And I don't think we're ever going to get that back. And I think as Pakistani cricket fans, we should make peace with that. That's okay. That's fine. A 138, 140 Shaheen using his brain is also very lethal. I want more of it. You mentioned the semifinal game against Australia in the 2021 T20 World Cup. I was just watching Shaheen's first over in that match. And man, Shaheen looked lethal. He looked deadly. Yeah. Like the way he was getting through his action, the, the snap he had in his action, the swing he was getting, the accuracy he had, the pace he was bowling at. I miss that Shaheen. I genuinely do. My heart yearns for Shaheen to make that sort of a comeback. But like you mentioned, it's going to be tough. If you keep yearning for that, it's going to be a long, long few years for you, buddy. Because uh, Shaheen, like you mentioned, like he has lost 10Ks and he's sort of making up for that by bowling with his variation, using the crease, uh, using different angles, using reverse swing. And he's sort of the go-to bowler for Pakistan. Um, in no time, he is right now the highest wicket taker in this ODI. Did he get 100 today? 100 wickets? I don't think so. I think it's a 99. He was at 99. 99 ODI wickets yeah. for Shaheen Afri. You're almost about to crack the three-figure mark. Good for you, Shaheen. He's probably going to do it in this World Cup. So lovely. Lovely bowling. Another huge incident that happened in the match was Shadab Khan's concussion. I was just going to say, is my boy okay? Shady boy? I don't know, man. Uh, he looked like he was pretty animated in the when he was dugout. Walk, when he was walking back, he would, was not moving his neck at all. It was like Batman from 1989 or 19, whatever it was. 89 Batman, yeah. The, the, Michael Keaton Batman. Where you know he his his neck didn't move? Did you know this? The 1989 Batman's, the, the way the suit was designed, his neck wouldn't move. So if you had to talk to like Alfred on his right, he would do this. He would just move the whole head. Bro, this reminds us of when we had those tight suits made in Pakistan right now. Oh yeah. We could have we moved to. Yeah, we had, we had a few weddings in Pakistan in January and one of our cousins gave like all the wrong fittings. So all of our cousins were wearing their we were in the same thing, but it was extremely tight. So we couldn't move our arms like past our shoulder length. It was crazy. Great times, fun times. But yeah, that's that's what Shadab was, had turned into. And they actually, for some stupid reason, wanted to get him back on the field. Good call for not doing that. Use the uh, concussion reserve. And Samri comes in and just, you know, takes two beautiful wickets, important wickets, bowls abysmally. I think the six or seven overs that he bowled, Four of those overs, the first ball was a full toss. Two of those for sixes. So I don't know what's going on with Pakistani wrist spinners. I can bowl better wrist spin than that. And, you know, I'll give you a half tracker, but I won't give you a full toss. Like, let me, like, pound the ball on the deck a little bit before I give you anything. Like, I'll make you work for it just a tiny bit, but a full toss is just illegal. It should be illegal. He does that a few times, but he gets the wicket of... Who does he get the wicket of? Rusty Van Erdison and Markram. RVD and Markram. So RVD's wicket... Was he Makram's two favorite players? <laughs> <laughs> Fonda Dusa and Makram. Yo, Waz is a legend. I don't even know what you're talking about, bro. Like the only other show that I listen to apart from Backward Point is The Pavilion. And I think it's a vibe. It's a vibe. The sh- subtle shade at everyone on that show. I love it. Yeah. So Fonda Dusa gets out two umpires calls on that decision, by the way. Two umpires calls. This will come back and bite us in about 10 minutes when we talk about the end of the end of the match. But we take it. We're happy. We're elated. Osama takes wickets. Osama takes Markram's wicket as well. Very important time. Very important wicket. 
basically puts Pakistan back in the game. I'd see no problem with this. Osama, good redemption arc, but nice to see you, buddy. I don't think you're going to be wearing greens for a long time. Osama Mir, I mean, probably was not even thinking of playing this match, uh, given the concussion to Shadab. Also, forgot a really good catch that he caught for Hassan yes. on a deep third point, third man. Ever since the drop catch of Warner, he's taken some incredible catches. I think the Osama Mir redemption arc and fielding has been achieved. Successfully unlocked. Let's talk about Wasim Jr. because that's who I want to talk about. No, bro, you got to talk to him. You got to apologize to him and all the fans because you were so stringent and critical of Wasim Jr. Apologies needed. You've got to promote his shampoo. You've got to talk about his hair. Yo, what is it? What, what is the shampoo thing? I don't know what it is. Is this some Pakistani ad he was in? No, I think he just has super silky hair. So that's people just make fun of him and for having good hair? someone made a video hair? of him. I think you in, should not be making fun of him for having good hair. Uh, someone made a video of him, I think in New Zealand or somewhere, and they were like, oh, Wasim, by which, which shampoo do you use? And he even mentioned the brand name. I forgot. But that's sort of the joke with Wasim Jr. about his hair. It's, it's all silky and it's, it flies when he's when he's running in. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to be envious about a man who has beautiful hair. So Wasim, I'm going to give the next 30 seconds to apologize. That's your camera. So firstly, before I apologize, I need to know where this bowling attack was from Wasim previously. Because for the past, the reason that I was critical and stringent was because for the past 20 odd games, T20s and ODIs can, um, mixed up together or... Um, you know, taken into consideration, just a no-show. Shorter lengths, getting whipped everywhere for four. Didn't seem any, there was no bite in his bowling. There was no variation. No passion, no aggression. No passion, no aggression. No vision. No vision, no bloody, what is it? There's another thing he says. I forgot. I forget. Like, you know, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But all of that, like, there was just nothing going on. And then he finds his footing today. I think that I'll have to give props to Barbara as a captain. You use Vasim really well. And Vasim showed up. Now, Shaheen took a wicket in his second over. Vasim took a wicket in his first over. On World Cup debut. On World Cup debut, he looked like a man with a purpose. A little too late, in my opinion, but nonetheless. Pretty good. I apologize to Vasim Jr. for, you know, just being rightfully critical, I guess. I don't know why people want me to apologize. Like, I wasn't being unfair to the guy, but people want it. I'm, I'm here to entertain. His performances and numbers the past few games did deserve the criticism that you made. Yeah. So, respectfully so. Respectfully so. But yeah, he got the, the key wicket of Klaassen as well because Klaassen looked like a, a batsman in this World Cup who's sort of on a mission to just decimate any bowling attack that's coming towards him. So, key wickets by Wasim Jr. You mentioned Bobber's captaincy. I thought Bobber's captaincy in this match was amazing. Like, where was his Barbaraz before? When I saw the total of 270, I immediately knew the only way Pakistan can win this match is by taking 10 wickets. You are in no way defending these runs, uh, especially when they had that quick start from uh, Quinton Nikok. He scored 24 of 14 balls, five boundaries. That just made it even more clear that Barbara has to go all out, aggressive captaincy, take wickets. And I just love the way Barbara happened today. 100%. Like, that's the that's the sort of aggression that you want and the match awareness that you need from your captain. A little bit too late, sure. There is a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, The big conversations of this match, the first one being the LBW decision. So uh, the hardest strophes uh, call looked dead straight, naked eye. Like when it hits pads, I thought this is plumb. It does not get any more out than this. You could visually see the leg stump on display. Ball pitched 
inside, hitting middle stump. Looked like it was crashing leg stump or middle leg even. Umpire gives it not out. Pakistan review it. Shows its umpire's call. And Pakistan could have been could have won that match right then and there. Now, people are criticizing this decision a lot. But I want to take you back to one more decision that was umpire's call in this match, which was the LBW from Osama Mir to Rossi Manor Dusan. Yeah, we just talked about that. That one actually looked like it was not out. It was going down leg. But the umpire gave it out. And then when South Africa reviewed it, it stayed umpire's call. So technology is not accurate. It's not 100%. I think it should be. But they're doing their best. There's a question here from Gaush, Patreon. He says, why is there still an umpire's call on DRS? Is there is the technology so unsure about the trajectory of the ball? I would also like to know the science behind the technology and the reason for umpire's call. So I did some research on how Hawkeye works. So firstly, they use the ball tracking system. It's called Hawkeye. and It's basically AI. Yeah. So for that to work, they have multiple cameras on the ground positioned in different places to best track the trajectory of the ball. And then once the ball is bowled, they use their technology to find the the predicted movement of where the ball is going to go. So given that technology, it's not 100%. Like we've seen multiple decisions that have been controversial. I think it helps with uh, sort of minimizing the human error, but there's obviously still a technology error that's there. Um, then the way that the umpire's call works is if the so if umpire gives it out and 50% of the ball is missing the stumps if it's an LBW, it stays umpire's call. However, if uh, umpire gives it out and 50% is, 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 is it missing? So more than 50%, so let's say if the umpire gives it out, the ball has to hit more than 50% for or not hit more than 50% for it to be reviewed. Or to so if it's clipping, it's still, it stays out. It stays out, yes. And if the park, umpire gives it not out and the ball is hitting still, more than only 50%. Clipping, if it's still clipping, only clipping just by less than 50%, still not out. You need three reds. You need three reds. Essentially. So my question then occurs, do you agree with the umpire's call? Maybe. So it's difficult, right? So Horace Rolf was bowling at 150 clicks. The ball is reversing, it's tailing. And from on TV, we can say it probably looked out. I may have a bias of Pakistan uh, as of being a Pakistani fan, but genuinely, like everybody who we spoke to me- mentioned, it just looked out. The umpire thought differently. I don't know what his thought process was, but ultimately Hawkeye backed what the umpire was saying. Hawkeye mentioned the ball is clipping, not hitting. So there's a conversation to be my, had on. My argument is like, if even if it's clipping, clipping is out, right? If the ball clips the stumps, it is in, in, indeed out. Then what are we debating about? Right? I just think it's it's a very futile thing. I think it's just to make the umpires a little bit more relevant. The umpires will remain relevant. Like, you need an umpire. There's no way that the umpires are just going to be out of this game of cricket. You need that. It's part of the game. There is something to be said about the naked eye. I get all of that. But human error is just... It's insane. And it, it occurs. And, no, you know, everyone's fallible. So you come to technology for as salvation. And if the technology is saying it's clipping, then it's clipping. You give it out. Umpire's call, it needs to go. I think you'll see this like slowly and steadily get faded out from cricket in the next five to ten years. It has to go. Uh, calls like these in big matches, like this was also quite a big match because it was a do it out for Pakistan. Pakistan's, you know, inherently out. Um, but in finals, you know, the ashes, stuff like that, like you need, you need 
concrete evidence. You need uh, validation to the decisions that the empires are making. And if they're being overturned, they should be overturned completely, not just by like overturned, but, you know, I'll give you a yellow. Gotta go. It's gotta go. And ultimately, that was the... That was it. That was it for Pakistan. If Pakistan had gotten that on their way, Pakistan would have been winners and into the World Cup, and this World Cup would have been blown open again, and it would have been anybody's game, and it would actually be fun to watch the next nineteen games. But unfortunately, that was not the case. Now, I do want to talk about the death bowling from Pakistan. Like this is the Pakistan bowling that you know Bob Razan was so sure about. We were all waiting for the way that Pakistan bounced back. I mean, I can't even say how proud I am of these boys. They did the best that they could for the total that they had. They used their brains. They used the fields. Like that Quentin de Kock wicket that Shaheen got. Just He did one small change, moved, you know, square leg back, give him bouncer, go for it. Stuff like that. I love it. It's it's what I live for. Uh, you know, Haris has been quite mediocre this entire tournament, but he found his rhythm. He came back. He was reversing the ball. He was bowling in the right areas, you know. High pace. And you could see the emotion and the aggression and what it meant to him when that ball was given not out. He was on the knees. So were we. So were we, actually. That's true. I posted a video on, on the socials. You can check it out. We were on our knees. Everybody was on our knees. That was it. That was the game right there. And it just shows how much this means to these players. You know, everyone's so critical of them. They're not interested in winning. They don't have that mindset, et cetera, et cetera. But... I've always said that these players are professionals and they've come here to win and they've come here to make a statement. And they did so today. They they lost like champions if there is ever such a thing. And I commend them. It I feel like that's why the pain of this exit is so bitter is because we were actually finding our footing. Finally, boxing cricket team was turning things around. They were showing aggression in the field. They were fielding really well. They were catching their balls. They were making sure that they're always in the game some way or the other. And it was just not their game to win. And when something like that happens, you're just, you feel it, man. You feel it in your chest. South Africa were 200 for four. And from then, Pakistan had triggered a collapse where they go on to be 260 for nine. So they lose like four wickets or five wickets for about 50 odd runs so that just shows how amazing Pakistan's bowling was I would have still loved to see Shaheen ball more Yorkers more balls on the stumps Shaheen's last two overs were a little bit disappointing they're playing in misses and I don't want that I want balls on the stumps if you're bowling to a tail ender you cannot expect them to come on the front foot and like try to drive those balls and then you will be able to finally get the nick and play when you're bowling to a tail ender you clean up the tail you ball wicket to wicket. You ball on the stumps. If it's not LBW, it's bold. If it's not bold in LBW, then they're chipping it away to, you know, someone. We are sort of, I can't believe we just haven't talked about this yet, but Harris Rose caught and bold. Insane catch. Greatest Ridiculous of all time. Ridiculous catch. Greatest of all time. One of the best. Because you have to also consider this man is steaming in, bowling 150. He's bold delivery. He's in his fall through. Uh, the ball chips at him. He looks at it. He has many milliseconds point some seconds point of a second to react he puts his one hand forward he catches it he dives over it and he is elated and so are we we cannot believe he's taking that catch such a timely wicket for pakistan and harris drove in the death is a different bowler altogether so uh, that just gave pakistan the extra hope and i was really hoping for 
hardest stroke for cleaning up the tail. As, you almost did it. As express pace balls in Pakistan have done in the past. Like if you look at the era of Wasim Akram, Makar Yunus, Shreve these guys would clean up tails like it was nothing. Right? So I just think that that's an area, area where Pakistan needs a bit of improvement of how do you clean up the tail. Mohammad Chami from India is a great death baller. And I think he it's because he has impeccable, accurate Yorkers with swing, with reverse swing, with variation. And I just think Pakistan needs to practice those Yorkers just a bit more because even the era of Umar Gul, bro, even last World Cup, Wahab Riyaz's Yorkers were amazing. He cleaned up the tail quite brilliantly, if, you, if I may say. Yeah, uh, you're right. And, you know, Pakistan did their best and Harry Strobe was doing his best and Wasim was trying to do the same thing. He even gave a few runs down the, down the leg for wide because he was just trying to hit those block holes and trying to make the ball come in. Just wasn't meant to be, man. It's Muhammad Nawaz. Sad state of affairs. Oh Muhammad Nawaz. Babar Azam has claimed many a times that Muhammad Nawaz is his match winner. This is, and I will quote you, the fourth match that Muhammad Nawaz lost for Pakistan. I'm not putting the whole onus on, on Nawaz, uh, but there's there's two things to discuss here. The first thing is, um, do you think it was a good option for Babar to give the over to Nawaz instead of Osama Mir? Osama Mir had already taken two wickets. He had a lethal googly. He could have outfoxed uh, the batsmen and, and got in the wicket. He could have tricked them out. Whereas Nawaz was more of like a stock left arm spin, not even spinning. It was like darting it in. So, Let's talk about the decision to give the over to Nawaz ahead of Osama because there was a hold, there's a team huddle before that over. And I saw Iftikhar do this, like pointing his left arm spin that he wanted to give the over to Nawaz. Um, I think there was a team meeting. Babar probably took suggestions and then made his own call. His unwavering trust in Mohammed Nawaz again... So let's talk about the decision. Do you think, would you have given the over to Osama or do you think you would have stuck to Nawaz? Like I said, Osama bowled three or four of his first opening bowls as a full toss and a couple of them went to six. So I don't know what would have happened. But if Osama, what if he gave the ball to Osama and Osama goes full toss and Maharaj hits him for six or four? It was game over then, right? So I don't know if that's a bad call. I don't know if that, the margins are so fine that Nawaz could have like, Darted it in, LBW, done. Or, you know, caught behind, but whatever, right? You never know. The only thing that annoys me about the Navas thing is that you have a packed offside field and you bowl them on middle stump. It was the down the leg side ball. It was on his pads. Short ball. Have we not learned from Zaman Khan against Sri Lanka? Like literally four weeks ago? Shocking. Shocking. One thing I'll say about Navas is Keep him away from the box on cricket team. I think it's over. He is not a match winner. He's not a match winner. I respect the trust that the captain had on him. I respect that. I genuinely do. I think that's a good thing to do. You back your players up, right? And after the Kohli incident in the 2022 World Cup, I respected the fact that, and I appreciated the fact that Babar backed his player. He didn't let him become like a statistic. He really pushed with Nawaz for that year. It's no, it's on Nawaz to to deliver at this point. And if you're not, then you're done. I just wanted to quote the games that Nawaz had flopped for Pakistan when it came to actually him uh, repaying Babar Azam's trust into him. So it all starts off with the 2022 Asia Cup group match against India. He's bowling against Hardik Pandya in the last over. Hardik Pandya yeah, smashes him for six. He, they win the match. The famous World Cup match against India 
at the MCG. He couldn't defend 16, was it 16 or 18, the last over. Um, the 2022 T20 game, T20 World Cup game against Zimbabwe, he wasn't able to finish the match with the bat. Pakistan lost by one run. And then today, in a position where Pakistan needed a wicket, needed to stop the flow of runs, he again disappoints. And uh, I just want to incorporate a question from Temur Khan from Patreon. He says, is this the last straw for Babur in backing Nawaz? Because Babur Azam surely looked pissed at Nawaz in the end. And he has all the rights to do so. Yeah, it's it's end, it's the end for Nawaz. I don't think he'll be near. He'll play a lot of PSL games, a lot of league games. It's over for him in the, in the green. I'm sorry. It's so sad because who was going to replace Nawaz? There's others left arm spinning. No, no, no. Like if you're looking for a genuine left arm spinning all-rounders, uh, I think there's Zafar Gore, who's a good option. Imad Wasim could be brought back. Um, you could also groom other spinners. I think there's someone that's called the Sufyan Mukim, who is a left arm, like a Jadeja. Abrar. is <laughs> Just there. bring back Abrar, bro. Give give him the mat, give him that confidence that you give Nawaz and see what happens. I think he'll do wonders for Pakistan in the future. So Pakistan is virtually out of the tournament now. Uh, let's talk about the next steps. There's a question from Patreon, Amar Amnani. He says, I don't know if this is too early to say this, but he says, who should be our next captain? Should we build a separate team for T20s, ODIs, with different captains? And if yes, who should be the captains of those respective teams? I'm going to tell Amar, it's very, very early to say any of this. It's very premature. We still have three games left in this World Cup. I think you and I will take our time, sit with this, see what happens post-World Cup, and then come with an educated opinion on this. But I don't want to be emotional and be like, oh, make Shaheen captain, or make Rizwan captain, or make Nawaz captain. Like... It's just, I don't think that'll be fair because we're coming from a very emotional place right now. Obviously, we're out of the World Cup, but I think we'll, I think we'll I'll reserve judgment on that for now. Yeah, because one thing important to mention is that Pakistan doesn't play in ODI, I think, I think in the next uh, the next 12 or 13 months, right? So the That's whole focus stat. post this World Cup is, yes, the Australia series, and then the next T20 World Cup, which is to happen in the USA and Caribbean. But... There have always been times where Pakistan like sets up a random series like six weeks before. So I'm not saying that Pakistan will play zero ODIs in the next 12 months. I'm just saying they just don't have anything scheduled. Like the Afghanistan series came out of nowhere that we just played in Sri Lanka. So Yeah, that's because I want to incorporate the question from Temur here, from Patreon. Temur Rabani says, do you want to see Pakistan play more ODIs in between World Cups? But what's And he also asks, what seems like an appropriate number to you given the... Uh, 2025 Champions Trophy coming around. So I've done some research. I went back and saw how many ODIs players used to play. And like a peak was Seema would play around 20 ODIs a year. Uh, so this that was also be, the peak of ODIs though. Yes. Yeah, so like 25, maybe even 30 if it's a World Cup year. And just for reference, Babar Azam, Pakistan's strike ODI batsman, one of the best ODI players right now, has played just the 18 ODIs in the last three years. 18 in the last three years? 18, 20, 20, 21, 22. What, is that, what, what math is that? Three times six? Six in a year? Six in a year. Ugh. And that is to consider that there were a lot of more T20s. So, so that's the problem, right? When it's a T20 World Cup year, you don't play ODIs. And when it's an ODI year, you just play, you don't play any T20s, virtually none. There, I don't know. ICC has to find a balance to make that both of those things relevant and make both of those things 
uh, you know, equally important. What is the answer? I don't know. I like the Tri-Series thing where there's actually a cup that you're fighting for. I also like the whole, you know, having an Ashes type series with every team. You know, the uh, Indian ha- Indians have the Alan Gavaskar series ba- with Australia. Pakistan has the Bino Kadir series, is it? Yeah. The Bino Kadir series, also legendary. So like stuff like that really does make it more exciting. But ICC has to find a way to make it happen. Otherwise, you know, it's tough. Yeah. So we're wrapping it up and I wanted to do something and I wanted to end it on a sort of a poetic note. I've said this on the on the on the Discord voice PCT therapy today and I, it made me think and it made me want to like talk about one of my favorite breakup songs of all time. So I, in the PCT therapy session I said that Pakistan cricket team is like that ex that your friends convince you to break up and then you do and then you look back and you're like maybe she wasn't as bad as everybody was making it out her out to be like she called she was a good friend she would listen i just got you know i started listening to my friends and i just i made this hasty decision and now i look back and i regret it that's how i felt watching this game i was like maybe i wasn't a, maybe i was too harsh on wasim maybe babar isn't a bad captain maybe maybe right so that brought me back to one of my favorite breakup albums of all time which is uh, Bonnie Vera's for Emma forever ago if you haven't listened to it top 10 or top 5 at least best breakup albums of all time and from there his hit single is called skinny love and so i wanted to just recite a few lines cuz i can't sing and everybody will leave this podcast if i do but skinny love is from this perspective of the box and cricket team and skinny love basically means that you know it refers to the idea of a malnourished or an unhealthy relationship between two people so PCT and the PCT fans, you know, they have skinny love. And the I'm just taking this off of genius.com. In this song, the narrator knows the relationship isn't in a healthy place, but he's still praying that it will keep going because he feels like he needs it. And if that does not describe the Pakistani fan and the relationship with the Pakistani uh, cricket team, then nothing else. I just want to read these this couplet and then we can sign off. And so the chorus of Skinny Love goes, and I told you to be patient, and I told you to be fine, and I told you to be balanced, and I told you to be kind, and in the morning I'll be with you, but it'll be a different kind, and I'm holding all the tickets, and you'll be holding, and you'll be owning all the fines. This is the Boxside Cricket team talking to its fans. We were patient, we were balanced, we were kind, and yet they still found a way to disappoint us and break our hearts. Come on, Skinny Love, this last this year. That's yeah. me snapping, which yeah. is basically like, oh, and rapping snap, Oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt it, man. I was listening to this in the car today because I went for a drive after the game. Like, we started this podcast high energy and very elated and like, just like trying to get positive vibes. But truth be told, after this game, I couldn't speak to anyone for like three to four hours. I just went on a walk, went on a drive, and I just wanted to, you know, take in the fact that Babur era is over, most likely. World Cup is over. We got to wait four more years. Four more years. 2019 was probably the best year of my life. Um, I have a lot of close connections to the World Cup. The Cricket World Cup is the reason I ever met my wife and now we're married. So, like, I have a very close relationship with this sport, with this game. And, you know, you you introspect, you reflect. And Pakistan is virtually out of this World Cup. 
as they should be. And I'm not going to cut corners and be like, oh man, this will happen and that will happen. They should be out. Fair and square. They were bad. They don't deserve to be semi-final contenders. Yeah, but then that makes me sad, right? That I have to deal with those feelings. And I played Skinny Love in the car and I could not... It was like every song I played in the car was like... It made me think about the Pakistan cricket team. Like anti-hero from Bhatia Swift was making me think about Pakistan. Downer's at dusk. Downer's at dusk. That one's that was a tough one. But this one especially, I was like, if this does not describe the Pakistani cricket team and their relationship with the Pakistani cricket fan. I also feel for your son, uh, my nephew, Mikhail. The poor guy was born the night of the India versus Pakistan match. And he has yet to witness Pakistan team win a match in a World Cup. His entire life, Pakistan has lost. That's a fact. Tough on Mikhail. You know, hopefully he'll get through it. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever he realizes. Whenever he realizes that he is the reason. No, no, no. My my kid's an angel. I think he'll have better days with the Pakistan cricket fan. What I hope and pray is that he has better days than we did. And because I feel like my, our father had the worst time with Pakistan cricket and then we had a better time. And then I, th- I hope that Mikhail has a better better time. Um, I think this is a good place to end it. I hope you guys didn't find this a bit corny. I mean, I guess it was a bit cheesy. But, you know, it, it had to be said. Pakistan's out of the World Cup. What do you want us to do? We are an emotional people. Thank you for watching, listening, supporting the podcast. Patreon fam, you guys are the real ones. Uh, thank you for sending in your questions. Discord fam, you know who you are. You guys are the real ones. Spotify fam, silent but deadly. If you guys want to be a part of any of this community, want to sign up for the memberships, want to sign up for the Patreons, just help grow this podcast. The links are in the description, guys. What are you waiting for? Click, click, click. And we'll see you guys in the next episode, whenever that is. Cheers. Cheers. Take care.